This podcast may contain content that is graphic and disturbing in nature. Listener discretion is advised. My name is Linda, and when I was 11 years old, I disappeared while walking home from school. This is my story. This is Apple for the Teacher, a true crime podcast. I'm your host, Anna Thomas. Today's episode is called Linda's Story. I didn't make it home after school. What happened to me? For this story, we go back almost 50 years to the year 1973. A family of five are living in Newport Beach, California in the US. There are three sisters in the family and one of them was Linda, who was 11 years old. Linda was described as a very shy, gentle, lovely soul. She was into reading Nancy Drew books and loved the singer Billie Holiday. She also enjoyed painting, crafts and playing the piano. Linda loved nature, so it wasn't surprising that she joined the Girl Scouts. Their mother was a seamstress and so she made much of the clothes for the family. The girls attended the Lincoln Elementary School in Corona del Mar. But rather than me telling the story, you will hear Linda herself tell the story of what happened in 1973. So, here is Linda's account. Hi, I'm Linda O'Keefe, or Linda Ann O'Keefe, if I'm in trouble with my mum. 45 years ago today, I disappeared from Newport Beach. I was murdered and my body was found in the back bay. My killer was never found. Today, I'm going to tell you my story. I was 11 years old on the day I disappeared. It's kind of strange. That year, 1973, July the 6th also fell on a Friday. It was a cool day, cooler than usual. The high was about 70 degrees. Orchard Avenue, that's the street I grew up on. It's a small house and we've lived here most of my life. At 8am, I walk out my front door and have no idea that it will be the last time. My piano teacher is giving me a ride to summer school. Time for first period. Here we go. School isn't really my thing. I get B's, C's and a couple of D's and I hate doing my homework. I'm not too fond of school in general, I guess, but not to brag, I'm really good at spelling and I love science class. I love the piano. Before I had piano lessons, I would go to the Hammond Organ Studio in my neighbourhood and play their organs and pianos for hours at a time. I also love painting and crafts. My mum says I'm artistically inclined. Break time. It's still a little chilly out, so I wrap my green ski jacket a little tighter around me as I head out the classroom door. I'm wearing a dress today. It's white with light blue flowers on it and dark blue trim. My mum made it. She makes a lot of my clothes and my sister's clothes. She's really good at sewing and we don't have a lot of money for fancy store outfits anyway. Now back to class. Time for second period. I should have had a snack during break. I'm still getting used to the schedule here. I go to Lincoln Intermediate School, which was a middle school back in 1973. Although I hear it's an elementary school now, a lot has changed between the last time I was here 
and what it looks like in 2018. Along with my homemade dress, I'm wearing dark blue tennis shoes with white trim and thick white ankle socks. My hair used to be shorter, but now it is long and brown, and I'm wearing it in a ponytail today. Time for another break. I have a few coins in my bag, so I head over to Richard's Market. It's only a block and a half away, so I can get over there and back in time for my next class. What to buy, what to buy. I settle on a pack of gum and hurry back to school in time for the next period to start. Third period, halfway there. Gosh, I wish it was a weekend day today. Then I could go to the beach. I love the beach. This is the first summer that mum and dad let me go by myself since we live so close. I'm a pretty quiet kid, I guess. I don't talk as much as some people, that's for sure. People call me shy. My parents say I'm sensitive, which I think means that I'm an easy crier. It's true. Not all crying is the same, though. The last time I cried, really cried, was a few months ago. We have three cats and one of them died. They told me she had cancer, but I don't really know what that means. I missed her so much for weeks and weeks after she was gone. That's the end of third period. Mrs. McWilliams has been my teacher all morning, but I'll have Mrs. Hoover next. One class with her and then school is out for the day. It's time for our last period of the day. Phew, I'd so much rather be watching TV right now. I love TV. Besides mum and dad and me, there are two more in my family, both sisters. My sister is 18 and has a real job. She works at a dry cleaners. She still lives with us, so I get to see her a lot. My little sister is only nine and a half. She and I are really close. Finally, school is over. Like everyone in the classroom, I'm getting excited about how to spend the rest of my afternoon or what I want to do this weekend. I obviously don't know it yet, but I won't get to have a weekend. Usually, I ride my bike to school. The ride home is easy because it's almost all downhill. But today, I got a ride to school, so no bike. I'm going to call my mum and see if she'll pick me up so I don't have to walk home. The lady in the school office said I need to wait. School's only been out for a few minutes and my mum hasn't had time to get here yet, so I can't use the phone yet. Adults always have rules for stuff like this. I know my mum isn't planning to pick me up, so I head back towards Richard's Market just to waste some time until I can call her. My friend Brenda from third period skips past me with another girl and says, Hi, a turquoise van is driving up Harbour View Road. Brenda, who has turned around, started skipping backwards now. Brenda will later tell the police that the van stops next to me a couple of times as I'm walking along, but she's too far away to hear if anyone talks to me. I'm back in the school office and the lady lets me call my mum for a ride this time. It doesn't go well. She is busy with a sewing project and tells me that I can walk home. It makes me upset and I cry. I'm an easy crier, remember? Still sniffling, I leave the office. I know they say I'm lazy, but I just really don't like walking. My parents get annoyed when I ask for a ride home from school 
because it's such a short walk, but I hate it. I wish I had my bike. Even if I wanted to walk home, which I don't, I wouldn't leave right now. I'm still upset about not getting a ride home. I sit on the curb in front of the school with my feet sticking out in the street. I'll leave soon. Late tonight, the police will talk to the young woman named Janine. She and her mum are driving up Marguerite right now and they see something they won't forget for a long time. It's me and a turquoise van. The van is parked along the curb just before the intersection of Marguerite and Inlet Drive. The front passenger door is open and I'm standing right beside it. Janine will remember that she sees the driver, a man, white, in his mid-twenties or early thirties. Janine's mum is suspicious. It must be a mum instinct. As she turns onto San Joaquin Hills Road, she slows down and then pulls over. If that van drives by, write down the license plate number, she tells Janine. But the van doesn't drive by. Her heart sinks a bit as she sees the van go straight up Marguerite. She can't see how many people are inside. No one is concerned when I don't come home from school right away, or not too concerned anyway. It's a different time back in 1973, and kids roam the neighbourhood on their bikes for hours at a time. My mum also made the book bag I'm carrying. It's red, white and blue with stars, and it feels very patriotic after the 4th of July. My mum made matching bags for all three of us, my sisters and me. My mum made us matching stuff a lot. We have a photo from when my little sister was just a baby and all three of us girls are in pink dresses, but you can't tell because the photo is black and white, but my big sister remembers. I guess you can say that I'm kind of a moody kid. I've been acting out lately, little stuff like not coming home on time, just so that they know I'm upset. This new bad habit of mine is probably on my mum's mind quite a bit this afternoon. Mum's starting to get a little worried. She knows I was angry about her not picking me up, but she thought I'd sulk a bit and then come home to eat. It's been three hours since she heard from me, which is a lot when you're a young girl with no lunch in her stomach. Let's see, what else can I tell you about me? I've always been really good at tidying up. Mum says I'm like a little mother and always keep my room very neat. Whenever I clean up, I ask her to come see. I like hearing her tell me that I did a good job. Mum starts calling around to see if I'm at anyone's house. I have several friends in the neighbourhood and friends from school. Kathy, Jim, Stacy, Mona and Mary Lou. But no one has seen me since I walked away from Lincoln Intermediate. When my dad gets home from work, worry turns to action. We have two family cars. My dad gets in one, my big sister gets in the other, and they start to look for me. There's a feeling that I'm being disobedient, not that anything is actually wrong. I'm a Girl Scout and a member of the Corona Del Mar Youth Centre, so there's a few places to check. Everyone returns home, everyone but me, that is. At 6.42pm, the NBPD receives a call from a house on Orchard Avenue. 
Linda Ann O'Keefe is missing. Four feet tall, 85 pounds, long brown hair and blue eyes. The search begins. My dad and sister join in again in their separate cars. The police get to work, systematically checking the areas between my school and my house. My mum has made about 40 phone calls by now, trying to track me down. Officers are searching everywhere. Back then, there were vacant fields south of Pacific View and east of Marguerite. They searched the fields, the reservoir, the neighbourhoods and the streets, but nothing. The sun is setting and still there's no sign of me. My sister thinks I'm going to be in big trouble whenever they find me. My mum knows I'd never stay out past dark. A new theory and a new hope. My good friend Kathy's parents were sailing to Catalina tonight. Kathy wanted to stay over at my house, but my mum had said no. Maybe Kathy and I had both gone with them on the sailing trip. Every police officer in the city is looking for me. They eventually track down Kathy's parents' slip and see that their boat is gone. Could I have been so angry that I'd left town with my friend and not told anyone? The officers find some men in a boat in the next slip and interview them. Yes, the men saw the boat leave a few hours ago with six adults on board and no little girls. Officers are searching Fashion Island, the back bay, on foot, by car, by helicopter. Jeeps are used in the places the patrol cars can't get to, but still nothing. The Catalina Harbour Department check the Avalon Harbour for Kathy's parents. They haven't arrived yet, but when they do, the NBPD wants to make sure that I didn't run away with them. My mum hopes that the men on the next boat over were wrong. Janine knocks on the door of my house and asks to talk to a detective. The image of the little girl and the turquoise van is still burning in her mind and she heard that a little girl who lives here might be missing. A lady in the bluffs above Back Bay hears a female voice outside screaming, Stop, you're hurting me. She listens but hears nothing more. She doesn't know that I'm missing, that I'll be dead by morning, that I'll be found a couple of hundred yards from her home. As midnight draws near, there is little peace for my parents. My sisters are both asleep. My big sister has to work in the morning, and anyway, she is still certain that I'm alive and well, and in big trouble when they figure out where I've been. Kathy's parents still haven't turned up in Catalina. Until they do, there's still hope that there's at least one place I could be that the officers can't find me. One place that doesn't involve a passing glimpse of a strange man in a van. So now, Linda resumes her story the next day at 7.30am. The sun has been up for a couple of hours and the police department is still searching for me. More volunteers have joined in. When my big sister gets to work, she is shocked to see the headline on the front page of the Daily Pilot. Girl 11 vanishes in Newport. Linda vanished? No, 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 she thinks. They must have got it wrong. Tons of people are looking for me. The helicopter has been scouring the canyons and remote areas of Corona del Mar. My dad is out looking for me too, 
with some officers. My mum is still home, peering through the curtains at all of the activity on our quiet street. Less than a mile from my house, a man is getting on his bike. He pedals down towards Back Bay with his four-year-old son in tow. He's due to meet two friends there. A new shift of searchers is gathering at the police department, joining in to relieve the volunteers who have looked for me all night. The man and his friends meet in the back bay and start to tour the area on their bikes. They are looking for a good place to hold a nature study. Specifically, they're looking for a good place to observe frogs. The man is looking in the ditch on the east side of Back Bay Drive, searching for frogs in the cattails. Instead, he sees something small and pale. My hand. He sees my hand and he screams, trying to rouse me. His friends come over when they hear him screaming. Peering through the cattails, they gasp. They don't know who I am, of course, or who I was. But they see a young girl's body still in my mum's homemade dress. I've been strangled. They go for help. They ride along Back Bay Drive, looking for a phone, a person, anything. Just before San Joaquin Hills Road, they find a police car. The officer, one of many who've been searching for me, is the first to know. This is now a homicide investigation. The search for Linda Ann O'Keefe is now the search for Linda Ann O'Keefe's killer. Was it someone I knew? A stranger? The man in the van? There are so many questions. There will be theories and a sketch of a person of interest, but my murder will eventually become a cold case. NBPD detectives still look at my file, interview people who saw me or knew me, and follow leads, but the trail leads nowhere. But now, 45 years later, I have a voice again, and I have something important to say. There is a new lead in my case, a face. A face that comes from DNA that the killer left behind. It's technology that didn't exist back in 1973, but it might change everything today. Here is a video about my case, about the evidence, about the clues and the facts that will lead detectives to my killer. My name is Linda O'Keefe. What is his name? So that's the end of her story. What a sad, sad story made so much more poignant by Linda telling her own story. But as you figured out, it wasn't Linda herself. So let me explain. So Linda's case went cold and then 45 years later, the Newport Beach Police Department wanted to bring her story back into the public eye. That's when a lady in the department named Jen Manzella had an idea to use Twitter to tell Linda's story. She said, quote, It was so important for me to give a little girl whose life was cut short at 11 years old the opportunity to speak again. Linda is going to help us find this man who did this to her. So they created a Twitter thread called hashtag Linda's story and posted a total of 68 tweets, which is what you just heard me read. And of course, because Twitter only allows you 
to post a very short amount of characters. That's why they had to do 68 individual tweets in order to be able to tell her whole story. And they also posted a video trying to get the public's help in finding her. And here is the audio from that video. 2018 marks the 45th anniversary of the abduction and murder of Linda Ann O'Keefe, 11-year-old girl from Corona Del Mar. On Friday, July 6, 1973, Linda was walking home from summer school when she was abducted and her body was found the next morning in the back bay. When school got out at 12.15, Linda went to the school office to call her mother, only to be told that she had to walk home. At 12.25, while Linda was walking along Harborview Road, another student saw a late 60s to early 70s blue or turquoise van stop near Linda twice. Approximately half an hour later, two witnesses saw a van stop along the curb on Marguerite Avenue near the intersection of Inlet Drive. They saw a young girl matching Linda's description standing by the open front passenger door. This is the last reported sighting of Linda while she was still alive. The man driving the van was described as a Caucasian, aged 24 to 30, with brown curly medium-length hair, small or droopy eyes, and tan skin. After Linda's body was found, bulletins with a sketch of this man and a detailed description of the van were circulated, but he was never identified. Linda's parents reported her missing that evening, and the Newport Beach Police Department began an overnight search. Linda's body was found the next morning in a ditch off of Back Bay Drive by a man who was scanning the area for a nature study. When her body was found, Linda was still fully clothed and the bag she had been carrying was found nearby. An autopsy showed that she was killed by strangulation in the hours immediately before or after midnight. A woman who lived on the bluff above where Linda's body was found reported hearing a female voice scream, Stop, you're hurting me, shortly after 11 p.m., which would be consistent with this timeline. Despite our best efforts, Linda's murder investigation became cold but we never gave up on finding Linda's killer. Over the years, detectives have investigated her homicide, conducting interviews, gathering evidence, and adding to the case file. We are asking for your help in solving this heinous murder. If you have any information, please contact our cold case tip line at 949-644-3669. And so amazingly, some of her classmates saw the tweets and responded writing about what they remembered about Linda going missing. One said, Our 11-year-old selves, we all got on our bikes and we all wanted to help. So they searched all around town for the van, but of course they didn't find it. So after the tweets were posted, her school friends followed the tweets, hoping the campaign would yield something about what happened to her. Quote, We were all together on pins and needles waiting to see, Who is this guy? But it was the work of a pathologist back at that time who did something which would come to be so crucial to the case more than 40 years later. Semen had been found on her body, which was collected and preserved at the time. And then in 2017, the sergeant at the Newport Beach Police Department enlisted the services of a company called Parabon Nanolabs. They offer a forensic DNA analysis service with the use of three tools. First, genetic genealogy, where relatives are searched in public databases and family trees are then built. Second, they do DNA phenotyping, which predicts physical appearance and ancestry of an unknown person 
from their DNA. And lastly, they can determine kinship between DNA samples. So Parabon took the suspect's DNA and generated a snapshot of the suspect's genetic characteristics, which was also posted to Twitter. It showed two drawings of a man, one at age 25 and the other at age 60, and it was determined that he was of Northern European heritage. The drawings showed his hair, eye and skin colour with about 90% confidence. Everyone then waited to see if anyone recognised the man. It was then about a year later that the police held a press conference to make an announcement in Linda's case. For 45 years, the Newport Beach Police Department continued to search for Linda's killer. Generations of investigators worked on her case. We never gave up. Last July, we shared the facts of this case on Twitter through Linda's story. As many of you saw, we turned this platform over to Linda and told her story through a series of tweets in Linda's voice. In addition to this public awareness campaign, we pursued a number of traditional, just good old-fashioned police work and innovative investigative techniques, including the latest in DNA technology. Our investigators use forensic DNA testing and an online genealogy website to identify the suspect's DNA as being consistent with DNA left at the crime scene. Simply put, our investigators had a lead. Which brings us here. Now 72 years old, was arrested by our detectives yesterday at 6.29 a.m. Pacific time in Colorado Springs for the murder of Linda Ann O'Keefe. Newport Beach Police Department is committed to the victims of cold case homicides and to their families. We have never forgotten Linda or the tragic events of July 1973. This was a day that made parents in our community think twice before they let their children walk to school, walk out the front door, bike down the street, or play with their friends. Linda's death changed the lives of the O'Keefe family forever when this little girl was taken from them. It rocked their community and it took root in the hearts of the men and women of their police department. We never ever forgot Linda's story. Thank you to Linda's family and schoolmates and friends who never gave up hope. And thank you to everyone all over the world who was touched by Linda's story for your thoughts and your prayers for this little girl and the search for her killer. And thank you to everyone who worked on this case throughout the years. Many of them are here today. It's because of you is now in custody. Authorities initially found his second cousin and then his grandparents which then led them to him. Linda's sister, Cindy, said, I was so excited. I felt I wish my parents were here to hear this news. You know, I never really thought they would actually find the individual. My hope is that it brings hope to other families that haven't had a resolve yet. The man was found in Colorado and had an extensive criminal record, which started at a very young age when he broke into houses. He spent time in juvenile prison, but after being freed, he continued to commit further crimes. However, these were only minor compared to the ultimate crime of murdering young Linda. Now a mother and a grandmother herself, Linda's sister Cindy said she truly understood what her own parents dealt with after Linda's death. They have since passed away, but Cindy believed that her parents and sister would have been happy 
that the killer was caught. And now I'd like you to hear from Linda's sister, Cindy. She was like an old soul. She loved old blues records and she just had a real peace about her. She didn't have her bicycle that day. And at the end of the school day, she called my mom and said, Mom, can you come and get me? And she said, Linda, I'm really busy. Can you just walk home? And she said, oh, Mom, please. And she was crying. She says, no, just, just walk home. So she didn't come home. It's starting to get dark. And so my dad and I got in the family car and started driving around the school and the neighborhood and just looking and calling her friends' houses. No, she's not here. And it got dark, so my parents called the police. The next morning, there were some people uh, from the university going down this path, and they saw that the high grasses were sort of crumpled, and so that's where they found her. It hit me later just because I saw that my parents were so devastated. You know, and as a parent and a grandparent myself, I, I cannot imagine how devastating that would be. I mean, I lost a sister, and that's a terrible thing, but as a parent, it just... I, I can't comprehend how that, how awful that would be. The story came out that a woman allegedly saw my sister talking to a man in a van on the boulevard that she would have taken on her walk home. And so everywhere we went, you know, we'd go for a drive with the family. And if we saw a turquoise van, my father would chase it for miles on the road because he was convinced that that was the guy. When I got the call from the detective, and he said he was sitting down, and I said, yes. And he said, well, I wanted to let you know I just arrested the man in Colorado Springs this morning. I've said in the past that I got closure the next day when they found her body. And so this is just an additional level of closure. If we didn't have this genealogy technology that Parabon has come up with, it may never have been solved. I'm grateful it happened, you know, in my lifetime. We all deserve mercy but I believe that justice will be served in this case. After the man's arrest, Cindy talked about forgiveness and faith and said, quote, I couldn't carry that burden in my heart of hating an individual, even though he committed this horrible crime. I hope that he has remorse. She added that she prayed for him and his family. Quote, they probably are so shocked. I'm sure They're going through a lot of grieving of their own. What a lovely lady. Now, while I was researching this story, I found a video of the killer's family coming out of the court. He had 15 grandchildren and 11 great-grandchildren, and he had been married for 40 years. The cameras are following them out of the court building, and I see an older lady, which I presume was his wife, and it just made me wonder, How did his family react to his arrest and finding out what he had done? He was now in his 70s. What a shock to know a person that you knew your whole life was a murderer. Just imagine how his wife would have felt. If you have been married to someone for quite a long time or even 30 or 40 years, just imagine if you found out that your spouse had committed murder. It would be such an unbelievable concept to comprehend. The man never went to trial as he died in prison about a year and a half after he was arrested. And I just love how the police used Linda's own voice to find the killer. 
wasn't it just so poignant told in the first person? So if you'd like to leave Linda a message, she can be found at the Find a Grave website and her full name is Linda Ann O'Keefe. O'Keefe is spelled O-K-E-E-F-E. And now let's preview the next episode. It's called Santa's Naughty List. Christy was a teacher who didn't make it to school. What happened to her? And to end this episode, I will leave you with this quote, which certainly applies to the perpetrator. Inside every person you know, there's a person you don't know. Bye for now, and remember to be a good apple.